I practice what I preach. And I preach sex, boys and girls. Hallelujah. When I say fuck, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Every one of you know. Except maybe some of those children. And our kids are so smart, they even know what that means. We don't think there's anything evil about it. We don't think there's anything Creep It Real is a weekly podcast where we present our theories of the subjects we cover based on our interest and research. Some material may be graphic and disturbing, so proceed with caution. Hey guys, it's Ashley. I know we have our usual warning of disturbing content, but today's episode details child abuse and further sexual abuse that if you have any sort of history with this or these are triggers for you, we wanted to give you another warning. So this is it. Proceed with caution. Okay. Oh. Here we go. I'm just like deep breath preparing for this. Like <laughs> I think I almost feel like today is worse because it's like more about the kids that were more so yeah. about the kids that were raised in the cult and it's like oh my gosh they had no choice whatsoever okay hey everybody hey it's ashley and shy we're here it's creep it real we are coming at the close of children of god the second part of our coverage the last part of our coverage thank goodness i don't think i could handle i know so much <laughs> more of it honestly yeah <laughs> uh, it's kind of i mean geez i feel traumatized from reading about it. So right. let's think about those poor children that were in the cult by no means of their own. Okay. So let's just get into it because I'm just like, let's get this over. I'm trying to prepare myself to try to resist from just bawling my eyes out today. <laughs> so when we finished last episode, we talked about David Berg's background, him forming the cult, the way he slowly began to satisfy his predatory sexual urges by essentially making them the tenets of the cult. And I forgot to read some of the basic summarizations of the tenets the last time. I had them, and I just totally glossed over them. So here's 20 of... And this this episode, I think we're going to start calling it the family, even though I'm going to keep it on yeah. the title, the Children of God, because it's it's now the family. Well, it changed to they changed it to the Family International, and now it's just the family. The family, yeah. You know, and whatever you bunch of weirdos. So, yep. The family's <laughs> foundational ideas that are being summarized. I got I found this in a Vice article. So these are not exactly verbatim uh but they're the basic idea so uh the first one is god loves sex because sex is love okay well we kind of got that picture last time satan hates sex because sex is beautiful okay the third incest is okay because there's no better place for a young man to learn about doing it than from his own mother right no 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 <laughs> right uh 11 year olds are capable of becoming pregnant so why shouldn't they be having sex uh Number seven, children should have at least an eighth grade education provided by their parents. And if the children want more education, it is up to the parents to see if the home can comply. 
cool. What? <laughs> Setting them up for success. Right. So there were picture a number eight pictures of naked congregation members referred to as nudie cuties make good bookmarks for the Bible. Oh, okay. I hate him. I know. Number 10, men should not be gay, but it's hot when women are gay. Yeah, we heard about that last time. Uh, yeah, we talked about that. Right. 11, masturbation is having sex with Jesus. When a man is having sex with Jesus, he is no longer a man, but Jesus' wife. So it's not actually male on male anymore, and therefore okay, because it's not gay. What mm. the hell? Okay, okay, and here's, here's something that we didn't talk about last time. When you are having sex with Jesus, masturbating, he likes you to talk dirty, and there were pamphlets that they created containing suggested love words to whisper to get okay i'm sorry i feel... I, I know i i was reading this and i felt awkward i, I was like oh no 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 I, I don't even want to read it i know i'm like uh can i read this um okay so whisper to get jesus hot is what it says which i mean i'm sorry shy so this, i feel like it's like kind of uh i don't know okay I'm going to read a couple of them. I'm not going to I'm not gonna read them all. And this is not li – these are not limited to only these things. Okay, so here's some love words to use. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Hold me. I love you. Come fill me. I want you inside me, exclamation point. Give me your seeds. Jesus, you're the lover of all lovers. Oh, Lord. Okay. I've I've got to have you in my arms. I've got to feel your naked body pressed to mine. So I want to suck no! your seeds. <laughs> I'm gonna I have stop. to hide my face. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop with I'm juicy for you. And <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh, I and I I almost feel bad laughing because it's like uh okay. It's just so bad. Like yeah. so bad. I mean I'm gonna here, I'm going to um, jam this antler in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go into all of them because we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about some of this stuff in a little while. Yeah. But the prophecies of Jesus, they said, were called golden seeds. And one good way to receive them is to suck on Jesus's golden rod or mm -hmm. another man's rod if you are a chick and can't find Jesus's. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm going to just stop. Oh, but I will say this. Here's one more. They did say this about 9-11, that God allowed 9-11 to happen to America the whore because the towers represent the ignorance of the fat, lazy, and rich. You asshole. Jeez. First of all, you're fat, lazy, and rich. You know? I mean, really? Y'all yeah. were just... Okay. He also said Hitler was on the right track but didn't actually do enough <laughs> because Jews are subhuman demons and oh, wow. also the Holocaust didn't happen. So, cool. Right. All around, yeah, all around a great... Just really great message. Well, you know what's weird is I did read that he has a Jewish ancestry. David Berg? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't I didn't read that. Um, I'm sure that – I'm not saying you're not right, but uh, – No. Yeah. I mean because yeah. I read about his like family lineage. So as you might assume, the environment that the practices of the cult created were – really traumatic for everyone, but especially for the children. A lot of the children that were being raised in the cult had severe issues at the time, obviously, because they were being molested in the name of God. They didn't know who they could talk to about it. Some of them didn't even know the words to use to say what was happening to them. And then they were forced to like sleep in the same room with these people. A lot of them were just like constantly on the edge of being afraid that they were about to be abused again. They didn't know when it was going to happen. 
They had they were had extreme anxiety that was uh, developed by this, and then the cult started to kind of drive away biological families, so that like we talked about, they didn't want you to be around your family too much and create yeah. a close bond because they wanted you to have that bond with everybody. So, so on top of like all the sexual abuse, the the children lived in fear from other things like the cult adults would do these apocalypse drills all the time where the children were made to run and hide while the adults adults stormed in on them with like handmade weapons and they brandished them and they were made to hunt the children down. So, and they weren't like scheduled these, they just happened. And so the children were just living in constant fear, anxiety. Like you said, it's just, I mean, so traumatic. I can't even, again, I just can't even begin to imagine really what it would have done to your mental state again material possessions were frowned upon even clothes which it was convenient because the cult gave them no money so like most of them had like one or two pairs of clothing that they would just cycle through all the time and then the only thing that you would get was hand-me-downs from your older siblings you know and everybody else Obviously, that's the more superficial side of things, but I mean, still, just it's just ridiculous. So the kids were also used in witnessing almost like animals at the zoo, where they would get these special clothes that they could wear only for witnessing, like where they would, you know, finally get something that was somewhat new, and they would be trotted out in front of people to sing and perform. People would, like, paw at them. It was just, it was essentially just like they were animals, and they were being touched by at these when they were witnessing like this by these quote unquote systemites who they thought were evil and they were taught were evil. So it was this whole other traumatic situation where they thought that the de- the devil essentially was sitting here pawing at them, marveling at them, and it scared the crap out of them constantly. So they were. It was like a homemade sideshow, right? Like a street performance type yeah. ordeal. And these kids were living off of, like we talked about last episode, maggoty rice yep. and you know moldy, like rotten, almost rotten eggs. And well, their big thing, the children did a lot of begging for groceries too, as well. So yeah, it's just right. They they use them a lot for really cool stuff. <laughs> but but then if they invite if anybody out any outsiders came to the any of the communes they would give them cookies and like special treats all this stuff that they weren't allowed to have at all and they couldn't sneak any of it to themselves or anything because they would the adults would lock it away the moment that the people would leave and if any child actually was able to like steal away a couple cookies or something they would be literally beaten for that so well, and you had mentioned previous too that the children were made to like watch each other and tattletale mm-hmm. and report and right. whatnot. So right, they definitely did that. Like we said last episode, the parenting was shared, a shared responsibility. And while there were the exceptions where of people who really did love the kids, most of them truly did not. They could barely tolerate them, and they were treated horribly, like we've said. Like, they were routinely beaten with swatters, poles, planks of wood, and the adults' fists on regular occasion for stuff that was like... I mean, I can't even imagine. I'm like, you're getting beaten because you didn't eat all your dinner, all your your almost rotten Moldy, egg, gross dinner. Right? Yeah. You would be beaten. If they talked without permission, they had to stand with their nose against the wall for over an hour in silence. 
And to emphasize that no one was an exception, uh, Burke sent out a report that he forced all the kids and adults to read, and it stated that his favorite granddaughter, Mary Mean, M-E-N-E, who they had kind of, she was the one that was God's child or Heaven's girl, I think, in one of the mo- letters or the stories. It was Heaven's girl, Mary Mean. Well, when she began to reach puberty, he said that she began to invite demons to play with her against his instruction, and so in this thing that he sent out and had everybody read, he said that he performed exorcisms on her five times a day. These often made her violently ill. He told Maria, Mama Maria, Karen Zerby, to tie her to her bed for days without food or the ability to use the restroom and described extreme physical violence that he committed against her as the Lord working through him. And it was a lesson to the children to reject these demons whenever they began to reach puberty. So we're talking like she was tortured and he used her as an example. Does he even specify like what these demons are though? Like what to look for or what to avoid? Just, or is- It was any sort of rebellious behavior that was a demon. Like anything okay. that wasn't – like if she didn't want to have sex with the boy who she was raised to be the sister of, which we'll talk about later. But da- her and Davidito were forced to have sex with each other when she was like mm-hmm. probably a preteen – or, or maybe like you know she was at had he, maybe eleven or twelve and he was like three years old or something like they would they would couple them up and force them to perform sexual acts on each other, so if she was like I don't want to do that that's not what I want to do that's a demon yeah okay cool so at this point the cult had been formed around twenty years prior and the children that were born from the original members were now teenagers and. They were the ones that had begun to start rebelling. They were drinking. That was another thing that they would do, like drink. They would try to escape the commune to just go out, even (laughs) to leave. And that was another act of rebellion. I don't blame them. I'd probably become a drug addict just to escape my reality. Oh, I mean, geez, yeah. Uh, Yeah, like I would become a drug addict for a lot less than this probably. (laughs) The (laughs) The rebellious teens were sent to a labor camp – they were beaten and forced to do manual labor, hard manual labor at very young ages. That was the next step when you became a teen. It, you didn't really get to have a chance anymore to just be a teenager living in the commune because as a preventative measure, they sent them to these labor camps that they called victory camp. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like when Scientology sends his people off on that ship. It's like a... Oh, Sea Org? Yeah, it's like a... Yeah. It's like a what, a privilege to be on Sea Org, but oh, it's it's just right. it's just oh, and you have to sign like a million year contract, and if you don't, you have to pay so much. And but it's yeah. it's supposed to be like oh, you're special, you get to be oh, on Sea right. Org, but right. it's just free manual labor no, for right. BS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, the Natasha girl that I had read her book, her brother, her little, like, I think he was like a couple years older than her, was sent to this labor camp, and. He would get to come home, I think, once a month or something to come visit, like, one day uh, on a Sunday once a month to visit with his family. And she said that when he came back, he was a completely different person. Like, he was timid, just silent. He obviously was very depressed. He was just being beaten and forced to do manual labor. So what do you expect Mm -hmm. from, like, a 12-year-old boy? Yeah, it was to prevent backsliding, so I'm sure it worked really well. So another practice that they had started having people do here 
in the uh, cult was one time a week members had to do open heart reports and this is where adults wrote extensive detail about each sexual encounter that they had had, which was who it was, the times that they had had sex, the positions they had had sex in, and whether it was full sex, oral sex, or foreplay. These reports were passed on to the shepherds, which are the higher-up leaders, and summaries were passed to David Berg. And he would then either praise them or name and shame them in Mo letters as doubters if they did anything that was deemed to be not just just celebrating the fact they were having sex with all these people. Flirty fishing. Wow. So he, like, called them out by name in these Mo letters. In the same vein, children had to write bad thoughts or spiritual battles, moral victories, or lessons learned that they had the week prior. And they also were told to, I mean, okay. And they were also told to detail their poop schedule and then a description of their poop for some reason. I'm not sure. Here we go. (laughs) If this is because, yeah, here we go with the poops. If this is because they were trying to just see how their health was going, if they had worms, because I know a lot of the children did have worms because they were eating all right. sorts of bizarre stuff, and it was unhealthy all around. And they were then, here we are again, they were also made to write any unspiritual or bad behavior that they saw other children do. And the teacher went to each child asking them to reveal the bad thought or action that they had, and if they admitted nothing, they were called a liar. So again, they were pretty much forcing the kids to admit to bad behavior, even if they hadn't committed any and also to like tattle on other children even if they hadn't seen anything they were told that they were covering up for somebody or lying so So it it was it's like a false confession type thing i mean how does that that's gonna just i mean obviously you're gonna end up with a bunch of kids saying stuff just so they don't get beaten right that's not even true and then other kids are gonna get beaten because of that and then the Anxiety and the paranoia that that would cause would be horrendous. It is truly crazy. If you went two sessions without tattling, you were told that you were hiding something or covering something up for somebody, and they were beaten. (laughs) So, I mean, it's not funny, but I'm just like, it's, I can't even wrap my brain around it. So afterward, the home shepherd or a teacher would take these kids on a walkie-talkie, which was a a walk around the the commune to discuss the reports and particularly talk to them about the NWOs, the need to work ons, which was, they just were constantly being told they were, they were bad. They were letting evil in and all the, they had all these things that they needed to fix. I mean, it's just such a terrible environment for a child. So, Oh God. Okay. So here's an example of something horrible that happened, which could have been, a positive development in the cult, but it wasn't. So one day in the Philippines, uh, shepherds or the higher up officials in the cult, they came and questioned all the children about whether anyone had ever inappropriately touched them because the, you know, reports and rumors of child abuse were going, getting out to people who were not members more and more. So, David Berg knew that the cult was under investigation and he wanted to make it look like they were doing something about it. And that's the only reason that this even happened. It was just to save face. So most of the children were too terrified to answer, though one 13-year-old girl said that one of her uncles had made her do things to him. 
and she was punished harshly, called out in front of everyone, and told she was a wicked child who had given an answer formed by the devil himself. A bar of soap was shoved in her mouth, and she was told to eat it and to she was told to eat it to wash away any sinful nature in front of every single child and she was also ordered to remain silent for a week she had to wear a cardboard sign that said i am on silence restriction for telling lies please do not speak to me and any child that talked to her got the same punishment so here she was thinking that she was perhaps being saved from the situation where she was being sexually molested and for reporting it to the shepherds in the cult who she thought were there to help her. She was punished like that in front of everybody. I mean, so it's not, I mean, this goes beyond just like physical abuse. This is like extreme mental and emotional abuse. Oh yeah. This is what, what is the word? Um, Oh, psychological warfare. Oh yeah. For sure. I feel like, I want to freaking become a vigilante and, but I get and and find these people and because I'm like, okay, yes, David Berg started this whole thing and he created these tenets and he is the biggest piece of shit here, but there are other pieces of trash that we, you know, like there are the leaders in the cult. We cannot, we can't excuse them because they believe something. No, I can't because I'm like, you're a human adult capable of, knowing what's wrong and what's right and you just are like yeah this is the way of life i'm going to continue to do this like no there is no no excuse for that i'm sorry absolutely not and the in the they perpetuated this crap and like karen zerby who we'll begin talking about soonly she is also a piece of i can't even talk absolute piece of trash she is horrible (laughs) she's just as bad like there are people that are leaders in this cult that are just as culpable as everybody else. And I have to say, I don't even know where my feelings lie as far as the adult members. I don't really, you know, after you read all this, it's like, it's hard to feel sympathy for them, even though I know that they were brainwashed and whatnot. But at the same time, you're an adult. Exactly. You knew a life before this, you know, I, I, I just don't even know. I just don't know how much, forgiveness that I can place on those people. I'm like, I am not sure if they're, I don't know. I think they might just be almost as, just as bad as he is to begin with. Well, they are definitely guilty by association. So for sure. So at this point, the cult leadership began to break up families in fairly brutal ways. They were separating married couples. They were breaking up extended, but established families who, if, you were, you know, if you had shared with somebody and became a couple that you had children and y'all all had kind of been living together for years and years and years, some of those people ended up raising their partners, other wives, children as their own, and they were just sent off, some of them to never be seen again. Like they, they just broke them up like crazy. They were marrying off older children to different and sending them away to different communes uh, in other countries. They were sending siblings away. I mean, it was just, they were breaking up all of these families, even more than they already had. I had read one instance where this young lady was growing up in the cult and she had lived in Thailand most of her life while her family was in another commune in another country. So they're like so spread out sometimes. Yeah. And how are you supposed to really interact with your family at this time? Because we don't have internet. Yeah, we don't have Skype. Don't. Yeah, so. <laughs> Natasha, she had a lady, Leah, I believe was her name, was her name, Leah. 
I think. And that was essentially like her, her mom. Uh, it was, she had a mom, but her mom was never around really. And so this other lady was raising her with her half brother and they were both Leah and her half brother were sent away. She literally never saw them again until she was in her twenties and she found them. But you know, it's just, I mean, it's like, there's so much psychological warfare going on here. It's, it's just insane. In one case, a woman fled the cult in the middle of the night and came back weeks later to attempt to steal her son away, but the leadership had expected that she was going to come back to try to get her son, and they had already sent him overseas in preparation of that because they didn't want her to take him. It's like, what is your point there? I don't know. Yeah. I just, why, I don't, like, the reason, the only thing I can think of why they don't want people leaving is because he knows what he's doing is 100% wrong and evil and he doesn't want people talking about it. But like in that case, that kid was a little kid. I just don't even... It's to punish her for leaving. I, I, guess, I guess that's probably right. Because yeah, they, they see you when you leave as being evil now. Right. You're the system. Okay, so this idiot... <laughs> David Berg was paranoid about anyone becoming too powerful or challenging his dominance. And so his management style was essentially one of like game playing, backstabbing and assigning blame to try to displace it off himself. So basically he's just such a infantile piece mm-hmm. of trash. Like he just, I mean, he was just a petty ass bitch. Anyway, that really was the gist of it was he was paranoid that anyone would become powerful enough to start questioning all this crap he was doing. So he had to just break everybody up and do all this terrible stuff. Like he sent, you know, eight months pregnant women, uh, out to a different country to do missions away from the rest of their family and to like terrible conditions, stuff like that. It was just nonsense. And he began to take away people who had been in the cult forever and been leaders and had been trying to work their way up. If they did anything that he saw as them becoming a little too powerful, he would strip them of all their power, send them to some third world country where they were supposed to go proselytize to people that don't even care. And broke up their family that way so that they couldn't have any power in the cult whatsoever. The cult at that time found that performing troops were uh, an increasingly successful way to bring in money. So I'm talking like they did these little singing troops where they would put on these little shows where they would perform at office parties, shopping malls, orphanages, prisons, and I read even the White House had the family singing troupe come sing a number of occasions. Does not surprise me, honestly. Yeah. I was like... Given what we know about politicians. So, you know, everybody was malnourished, essentially. But the kids that were too skinny, they were forced to start eating extra food because they looked badly when they were performing if they were too skinny. So they... um, and they didn't want the authorities to become too concerned about what was going on in the cult. So in addition to their, you know, three horrifying maggot meals a day, they were forced to eat a concoction of rice. Um, what was it? What is it? Rice or rice porridge with sugar and powdered milk. And they said it was so thick and gross. Like it, it would make the kids like start to throw up because it was just so grotesquely thick and nasty. That's disgusting. And so they had to eat two servings of that a day in in addition to the regular food because they were malnourished. And they said, like, at first a lot of the kids would be like, yeah, extra food because they were freaking starving and it had sugar in it. But after, like, a couple of servings, you know, it's like you're trying to shovel down wet cement. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, this is something that I was like, can't I I can't hardly even – I 
okay. Okay. So the cult saw disabled children as oh. essentially possessed by the devil. Okay. So anybody that was born with any disability, they blamed that on the devil. For one example, there was one young boy who could not walk. He shook uncontrollably. And he, I, I'm thinking maybe, I don't really know what he might have been diagnosed with this exactly. He, he was in, a, he was confined to a wheelchair. Well, it's hard to say because they didn't believe in medical care exactly. and wouldn't have taken him to a doctor anyway. The adults told the other kids that he was possessed by the devil and that's why he was the way he was. And in the mornings, he was tied to a chair and force fed by somebody who stood behind him, forcing his mouth open and shoveled food into his mouth. And then they would clamp his jaw shut if he refused to take it on his own. Um, I'm like literally about to cry. I was going to say, this is what's going to make me cry because, yeah. So he then would have <sighs> boxing gloves taped to his hands. And if it wasn't too hot outside, because it was, I think, in Thailand or the Philippines, he would be put outside all day, usually tied to a tree. He would often scream uncontrollably. And at some point, an uncle would come outside to hit him. And if that didn't make him stop, they would shove a dry diaper into his mouth. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. I know. <laughs> Uh, okay. They would shove a dry diaper into his mouth or he would be, <laughs> okay, hold on. Damn it. Okay. <clears throat> okay. It's like, I don't want to read it, but <sighs> like we should read it. So, cause if there's any people that are trying to defend this shit. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Or he would be shoved into the tiny closet room where he slept in the dark with no air conditioning, and he would have seizures frequently where he would fall onto the floor, and he would bang his head repeatedly, and the adults said that he was under attack by the devil and would go in and sit on him, punching and slapping him and saying prayers over him. So that that is the most horrifying thing. I mean, as... Uh, obviously there's a lot of horrifying stuff that goes on here, but that is truly like one of the most disgusting things I've ever read in my life. So when he was born, the cult higher ups accused his mother of laying with the devil because he could only be the result of an unholy union. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but fuck you. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. So they force you to go out and screw people willy nilly, yeah. but then if something happens to your child, then you're blamed for having ha lain with the devil. Like, it's absolutely the most disgusting bullshit I've ever heard in my life. And anyway, so, okay. <clears throat> so now that we are both crying, let's take a moment for a second to just recover. It's just, oh my gosh, I just can't even believe that that they're like innocent children that's like where you i mean for me anyway i pretty much lost all not hope but i guess i don't feel any like anything for the adults in this cult then. yeah i really don't it's hard yeah it really is difficult to feel any sympathy i guess i don't Yeah, exactly no and e even if you didn't do it yourself you overlooked the fact that other adults were doing this that's it because if you if you said anything against what they were doing, then they began to say that you were a backslider. So I understand the mentality, but it, it's unforgivable that you would allow this stuff to go on to children who had no idea about 
any life outside of the cult or that there are people with disabilities, you know, or anything like they, they just, all they know is what they have learned. So what they're learning is that somebody with a disability or any sort of anything that makes them different than you, that is the devil. And I can't even begin to understand what that would do to a child's brain development and also it said that like with this boy for example the other kids were put to take care of him a lot and they just followed suit for what they what they saw the adults do and the adults just lost their patience with him constantly and abused him like crazy and so then the children would do that as well and uh natasha was actually friends with his sister who told her on multiple occasions that she wished that he would just die and go to heaven so that he wouldn't have to endure the abuse anymore because he didn't know what was wrong. It's just so awful. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm crying again. <laughs> well, your crying is going to make me cry. <laughs> I was remembering that they were saying that her and the boy's sister would have to sneak and hold his hand and, like, whisper positive things into his ear sometimes because he, they would get in trouble for doing that. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. Okay. And that isn't even the part that I thought I was going to cry about because I just forgot. <clears throat> so, whew. Okay. Like you were saying, they did these Armageddon drills, which were terrifying for the children. And reading about that one girl's instance, you know, she was saying, and like you had said previously, that the children were so obsessed with death and what would happen to them in heaven and who, what was going to happen to the people that had hurt them, yeah. which they didn't mean the cult members. They meant the outside world, yeah. these people that supposedly hurt them, uh-huh. which the people that accused David of sexual abuse. And so, yeah, she said her thoughts were just constantly consumed with the idea of dying if it would hurt what was going to happen to her in heaven? Was she going to have her family in heaven? Yeah. And so. Would the people feel bad if they killed her? Yeah. You know, so this asshole sent a letter directed towards the children called Victory at Babylon, where he warned about the Antichrist attack and the possibility of raids by authorities. Sent this to the children. It was directed to the children. Essentially just trying to scare the crap out of them some more. Um, He said that they would be snatched by the government and their only recourse was to stay absolutely silent, not say a word, no matter how nice the people were, that it was all a trap by the Antichrist to trick them into um, giving up any information about their leader, the cult, etc., which would only in turn create a situation for them to not be able to get to heaven in the end. Okay, so, and I find, okay, as a little lighthearted bit of... uh, just absolute stupidity from him. He told everybody that they needed to, when they went out in public, that they needed to wear wigs and glasses because this would disguise them from the systemites because without them, the systemites would recognize them as God's chosen ones and would kill them. Whatever. I know. They said that he had the clever idea for wigs and glasses. I'm like, this is the stupidest, biggest idiot I've ever learned about in my life. In my life. Oh, okay. Did he take uh, spy lessons from, like, the KGB? He's clearly a genius. <laughs> uh, 
He absolutely is a genius. So, okay, so at this point, it's in like the early 90s, and it was told that the Antichrist had invented a new weapon, which was the internet. Ha! Yep. 1993 came and went. And Berg sent out a Mo letter. Remember, he he had said there that Jesus was going to come in 1993. The Antichrist, the Armageddon was happening in 1993. Yeah. So it came and went. And he sent out a Mo letter saying that his prophecy didn't come true because God looked down and saw that they weren't ready and had failed him. So it was their fault that his prophecy didn't come true. How convenient right. for him. Right. The adults began fasting for days at a time in penance for this. And... You know, everybody was just under so much stress. They said it was just the kids were getting being told that they were were under going to be under attack at any moment. The adults were thinking that they had failed their leader, their God, and so they were trying to do all this stuff to make up for that. And and it was just becoming more strict and terrible on everybody. Just total absolute nightmare, more than it already was. So that piece of trash, David Berg. Died October 1st, 1994. Thank goodness. What a piece of crap. Yeah. He died in Portugal, too. So he wasn't even in the States. Just, I hope he, I don't even know what they did with his body, but I hope they just tossed it. Oh, they cremated it. They should have just tossed it into a, a vat of acid. I don't know. I don't know what I'm even saying. Oh, I just hate him so much. Okay, so after his death, he was written about in many news publications, talking about him being a madman, that he hurt children, etc. And the stories created such a problem for the communes that they were now unsafe from authorities, and they broke them up, essentially. So they made they made all these large communes with, like, hundreds of people. Break, they broke them up. They sent them to different little spots, and they were also ordered to burn everything that was seen as unsafe for the public, which included the Davidito book, the Heaven's Girl book, and the Mo letters, and what they called the purge. So also, too, like... Um, while he was dying and died, there was actual a trial going on for all the accusations going against him because a lot of his family members were coming out, like his granddaughters and whatnot. Yeah. But since he died during the trial um, and the new cult members were saying, oh, no, we outlawed the sexual abuse yeah. and the abuse with like the sex with minors, the judge let the cult continue. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm cool. just like, mm-hmm. oh, OK, so, sure. Okay. There's a couple there was a couple trials that went on. I think we'll talk about another one in a minute where kind of the same yeah. thing happened. So uh, you would think okay, David Berg is dead. Maybe this cult can transform no. itself into something not so detrimental to everybody's well-being. But no, because Karen Zerby, Mama Maria is just Queen Mar- yeah, Maria. just as much of a piece of trash as David Berg was. And she took on yep a new leadership role in the cult and attempted to assert herself with a new set of guidelines and rules that she called the new wine. And I'm going to read, this is a very long, she, this is what she sent out to everybody. Okay. So it's kind of long and it's absolutely some of the dumbest shit you'll ever hear in your life. So be prepared right now. So here we go. It says, this is what she sent out. I mean, I'm like, what is this even, what is she even saying? So here we go. 
come in unto me, let us be one, let us love, let us lie in each other's arms, kiss me, caress me, fuck me and love me, fill me to the full. Like you say, hold me. Like you say, I... Wait, is this a, is this a Nicki Minaj song? <laughs> No, maybe, maybe this is, oh, okay. maybe she got some okay. lyrics My from bad. Uh, the, the family. So, um, like you say, hold me, like you say, I love you, I want you, I desire you, come lie with me, come fill me. I'm like, what are you trying to say right now? Um, so, the Lord's prophecy is clear. Listen to this. So, this is Zerby claiming these words were spoken directly to her from God. Do not be afraid or ashamed to speak these precious words of love to me, for they are a special incense special prayers that come up before me that fill my halls with a special perfume a perfume of love and love making exclamation point it, there's so many exclamation points i'm gonna just have to say them because i'm like what it's, it's an excessive use of <laughs> it excites me exclamation it thrills me it makes me want to give to you and give and give and give some more and again and again as the thrust of a man upon a woman in love making so i want to give and give and fill you with my seeds yada 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 then these things of the flesh are only a mere speck of the love that i have for you but i give you the touches and the words and the feelings of the flesh and the sensations and the orgasms the kiss upon kiss the breast to breast the being held so that you will understand how i am with you so this lady is a real real piece of work she's just continuing on exactly in the same vein as david berg so love uh, okay sorry Oh, oh no, you're done. Oh, you're not done yet. I'm sorry, no, it's it's freaking forever. So love me and be not ashamed. Do not be afraid to say that you want me. Do not be afraid that you want me to fuck you and to love you and kiss you and to hold you because it is in these words that you convey the feelings of the heart. So, okay, that was it. So it sounds like she's wanting to continue with all the sex, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. her main prerogative. 100%, 100%. But it says in 1986, she forbade sexual contact between adults and minors, and then later it became an offense that could lead to excommunication. And she also, for the first six months of becoming a new member, said that you couldn't have any sex within the commune. Right. You had to be there for six months. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, so you're not getting rid of the sex. You're just putting some stupid rules on it. Well, I guess in the seven years – in that seven-year span – she must have really come around to the sex stuff. Okay, Unless right. she was acting before and pretending like it was a bad oh, thing. Oh, yeah, you 80s. know she was. So this letter, I read it to you, not that it makes any damn sense, but because it's so utterly stupid, but also just to convey – she just is – obsessing about sex obviously and obsessing about the fact that somehow your relationship with god was intertwined with sex and the only way that you really got to feel his full love was with it with this sexual whatever so the letter said that men and boys should talk dirty to jesus and they should do so as women and can and like i said a minute ago should consider themselves his bride and that Essentially, they were masturbating for Jesus. Okay. And this is because Berg was a homophobic dickbag. <laughs> was he really, though? I don't – I mean, they said they, – they said – the more I read, they said that you were excommunicated if you were caught doing any homosexual acts except for if you're a female. And that if you came out to anyone as being a homosexual, that they kicked you out. But I don't know. 
I don't, I really don't know. I'm almost like, really though? Because you seem to just don't, you don't give a crap who, who yeah. or what is doing what, you know? And men did do stuff to little kids, but like, for example, which I'll talk about in a little while, but David Ito, poor thing, was kind of, was molested by a male member that David Berg saw doing it and he told him to stop because he said he would develop the homo or something like that. So I, I don't, he might have, but maybe he was like, we talked about last episode. Maybe it was one of those things where it's like, I am the exception, but everybody yeah. else can't. I don't know. Either way, he was outwardly homophobic at least. Okay. So none of this makes any sense. So the secondary rule of the new wine was for every follower to believe that Berg and Zerbe were God's only true end time prophets. And nobody else would, would be ever be able to come close to them. It was after these creepy new wine thingamajigs that many of the second generation members started to leave the cult altogether. Zerb wanted to stem the tide of the horrified second generationers leaving, and she sent out a statement saying that they didn't want to give them anything that wasn't appropriate for their age, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and basically only masturbate for Jesus if he called them to do it. Like So basically she was trying to act like, we didn't mean to send you this overtly sexual stuff. You're too young for that. Only if God calls you to be that way and read that, should you do it. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's so, uh, what is the, what would the word be where you're, it's, I mean, I guess hypocritical, but it's not really. She's just, just like backpedaling. To, yeah, backpedaling, trying to save face, really, because she yeah. wants them to do this stuff, but then she doesn't want, she wants to also publicly act like, oh, never, you know, like, right. I'll never do that. Yeah, she said, if you want to love Jesus while masturbating, that is up to you. I'm not making you do it. She saw any questioning of the new wine as a threat and dismissed any critics as renegades in her next letter that she sent out to everybody. And she blamed any awkward reactions to any of that weird stuff that I just read as the devil making them feel that way. Because it was always, if, if you feel like sex is something that's a private act or that, you know, this and that, that's the devil coming in and trying to taint your, your mind because he doesn't like it. Ah, so they were, they pretty much said the more you talk about it and, and the more you do it, it'll make it less of a big deal until it's normal, which of course it will. That's how you do, that's how you condition anybody for yeah. any sort of depraved bullshit. So, Okay. Uh, here's another case. So in 1995, a child that was being raised in the cult, his biological grandparents went to the courts in London to try to gain custody of him from their daughter who was in the cult still. And in his closing statements, the judge clearly stated that the child abuse was rife in, within the cult. Yet after the trial, the cult put on a major PR offensive and somehow that child was returned right back to his mother and the cult. So it seems like that's kind of like a running theme is it's somehow openly stated that there is some sick crap going on here, yeah. but they are able to, you know, backpedal and, and put a good face on it until for some reason the courts go back on their decisions. I don't really, I don't understand. After this, Zerbi. I've been calling her Zerb in my notes, so I'll just continue because <laughs> I don't really want to give her any sort of – anyway. She published a tepid apology blaming any abuse as a misinterpretation of the teachings handed down by Berg, which we all freaking know. That's bullcrap. Yeah, is major BS. Like that is – you could not misinterpret 
the children should be (laughs) incorporated in sex. That's essentially exactly what it said. So in addition, Mean, the heavens girl that I spoke about earlier in last episode, who Berg had said was possessed by the devil and he tied and beat her. She had endured years of torture and abuse until the point of insanity. She had a breakdown and was sent off to live with her grandmother and... That was just one of many cases of the children that had been raised in the cult having ser- serious psychological issues. And and a lot of the time, uh, instead of obviously the cult trying to help them, they just sent them away to somebody, which is probably better than them trying to deal with it, honestly. Right. So now this idiot, Zerb, she had predicted another Armageddon to come at the stroke of midnight on the year 2000, which I think... Kind of all we we all kind of thought there was going to be because what was it called well, the yeah Y two K yeah uh, we were yeah. all like, kind of like oh shit <laughs> my friend's parents did the whole like they built like a bunker in their basement and like stocked it oh up my and stuff gosh. I know just like okay but then it it was literally like a couple people that figured out how to change the clocks of the computer they're like no this is fine <laughs> yeah they were like the world's computers are going to crash we're all gonna be uh, dead there's not gonna be electricity like it was perfectly fine it took a, a it just took a little engineering i think a little uh i mean for for god's sake like we send people to the moon we can't figure <laughs> out how to how to like how to change, change the internal clock of a computer like come on oh gosh that's sad so zerb had sent word to her followers that they should be prepared for battle and um, I'm telling you, like, for example, Natasha and her family, they were literally standing ready and waiting for an instant battle to begin at midnight. <sighs> and, of course, it midnight came and went. Nothing happened. And they were all just kind of like, well. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, shocker of the century, uh, she was wrong. And... She also had predicted another uh, end time in 1996 that came and went without any incident. So she, this is her now their third. She's just looking like an idiot. Yeah. Time and time again. And, and uh, at this point, she loosened the rules of the cult in, attempt, in an attempt to stop the family members from leaving. So she started to allow them to drink. She lifted the ban on contacting their biological families. So they were able to now have contact with them and she allowed them to own property and inherit wealth because she had previously not allowed this or they had previously not allowed them to inherit wealth from any of their biological family. So there were like a ton of people who inherited millions of dollars. I mean, they had been living in poverty by their own choice because of this family and inherited millions of dollars and then they were able to help other members that were living in poverty i mean i will tell you this they sent people off and gave them like a hundred bucks to start their lives with and they ended up all of the members of the cult ended up having to live off of welfare and you know financial aid from the government which is what exactly they were railing against to begin with yeah exactly so stupid. They have no idea what oh they're doing. Oh my gosh. It is so ridiculous. So this is, okay. Ugh, sorry, I have to prepare myself because this is where we're about to get into another pretty disturbing aspect okay. of this. So, because Karen Zerby, the, the now new leader, like I've said about six times already, but let me reiterate. She's a piece of trash. Well, she's trying to come off as like, no, I'm I'm here to like save the coal and bring new light to it, and it's not as bad as everybody thinks. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's listen to what she calls her own home, 
that she shares with her son, David Ito, and some other people. She called it the house of the open pussy. Okay? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so her son, David Ito, who we spoke about last episode in the, the story of David Ito, who was a little boy in that story depicted as... And this is Ricky Rodriguez, right? Yes, Ricky okay. Rodriguez. Depicted with in bed with grown women, kissing him on the lips and other places. And I did not know this, but I found this this morning that there are pages of this story of David Ito on Wikipedia. And while most – like it's not necessarily explicit. They have blurred a lot. Uh, I was absolutely horrified to actually read some of this book that they sent out to all the members of the cult where this boy was not even three and it was written by this Sarah woman and she multiple different times and like they don't even have the whole book in Wikipedia. It's only maybe 15, 12, 15 pages and those 12, 15 pages, the stuff that I read was the most, some of the most horrifying crap I've ever heard in my life. Like, okay. Okay. So again, this David Ito was Karen Zerby's child with the waiter at a hotel, I believe. And I, he, he worked at a hotel, and I believe he was a waiter, but it doesn't really matter. That then David Berg took him on as his son. Adopted, yeah. So was he a product of flirty fishing? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. And he was then the family's leader in waiting or the chosen one he was supposed to be the cult's general in the battle of armageddon he spent his entire childhood moving around from place to place with zerb and berg because berg was a wanted man in about a million different places since he was 10 months old he had been initiated (laughs) into sex used as a sick experiment by all the adults around him both men and women he was forced to have sex with berg's granddaughter mean like i said a little while ago and Sickeningly enough, he was forced to have sex with his own mother, Karen Zerby, on a regular basis. He was, yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay. He was, I mean, and I'm telling you some of that stuff. I mean, you can go on to Wikipedia and you can see the story of David Ito and you can read for yourself some of the disgusting shit that they did to this boy and the the stuff that he thought was normal. And... The uh, and um the way that he then kind of started to act towards other children and stuff like that. I mean, it it clearly screwed his sense of right and wrong and whatnot up big time. Okay, so he was also raised with another child who was the daughter of one of his nannies, and they called her Davi David Davida. Okay, yeah, I'm like, how do you say that, Davida? And they were raised as brother and sister, yet they had been forced into sexual relations with one another from a very young age. She was a little bit younger than him. That was supposed to be his sister. I mean, it wasn't blood, but that was, you know, it does. I mean, it's like, and also you're a child, (laughs) right? And I mean, it doesn't – yeah, you don't have to have blood relations if you're raised together. Right. So in – sadly enough, also, in the early 90s, David Ito was forced to undergo intense psychological evaluations to, quote, prove that childhood sex with adults had no negative psychological effect on him. Oh, really? So what? it was yeah. – Yeah. So he they forced him to go all these tor- terrible tests, and really it was like – you, see, you're fine. Uh, here you are. Look, you're totally great. Uh, which, obviously, this is not the case as we continue on here. So, as a young man, 
he met a woman named Alexia in a commune in France, and they fell in love. They got married, but the leadership informed them that they would be required to share sexually to set a good example for everyone else because that was essentially what they forced on him was as a child, his every thought and action was monitored so closely to mold him into the quote unquote perfect prince. So again, you know, even though go go. the book of David Ito was like a manual for how to raise your children right in the cult oh gosh which it's funny because i saw that like natasha's dad was like i did not see this i did not see it as a way to apply it to our lives but it's like yeah because that's cognitive dissonance right there you don't want it you don't want to think that you're taking part in something so sickening but you are dude flipping idiots yeah so yeah so they were told that they couldn't just be monogamous they had to share to set a good example for everyone else. And in the year 2000, they ran away from the cult. And he put out, Davidito put out, a, which I'll, I'll call, I'll start calling him Ricky in a minute, but um, he put out a statement saying, we cannot continue to condone or be party to what we feel is an abusive, manipulative organization that teaches false doctrine. You have devoured God's sheep, ruining people's lives by propagating false doctrines and advocating harmful practices in the name of God. And as far as I can see, show no regret or remorse he's the only freaking logical sounding person that i've heard seriously and i wonder like what it was about his brain and mind that make led him to make these decisions and be against the cult you know uh well i mean he really just got put through the ringer his entire freaking life so Right. While old Zerb had publicly shamed most of the teens who had left, labeling them apostates or backsliders, she hushed the fuck up about her own son's departure completely and totally tried to hide it from everybody. Because obviously that would look really bad on you when your own son, who you are claiming is to, to be the next great leader of the cult, runs away and calls you a manipulative, abusive piece of trash. Right. So he moved to Tucson, Arizona, and he got a job as an electrician and began to call himself Ricky Rodriguez. So according to his friends, he had moved to Tucson because he heard his mother frequently visited and he wanted to find her, but she was hiding from him altogether and everybody else. She's essentially just – she also herself moves around all these different places all the time to avoid any sort of legal prosecution of any kind or investigation. So, sadly, and as would be expected, he was extremely depressed and filled with a mounting rage. He felt his mission was to find his mother and bring her to justice, and also to find his sister, Techie, and get her out of the cult. Uh, Poor Ricky. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine the emotional turmoil that he was in on a daily basis, but he felt lost and hopeless. He stated that he didn't see how all the victims would ever receive any justice or be taken seriously in any way whatsoever. Because like we just said, like both of us just stated two different cases where legally speaking, they were outright told they knew there was this horrible stuff going on and somehow it all just kind of got swept under the rug. So you can see how the, I don't see, I don't want to call them necessarily victims but he is a victim. I mean, they're victims of this. Yeah. Like, they, how the victims of this cult felt disenfranchised constantly. 
But then other second generation ex members began to seek Ricky out for guidance and to tell them their experiences. And this sent him spiraling into an even deeper rage and insanity until he began to feel his only move was to murder his mother. But, like I just said, she was a sneaky bitch who essentially was in hiding, and Ricky only got so far as to find one of his former nannies who had sexually abused him as a child, and her name was Angela Smith, so he found her in 2005. She was the woman depicted in the story of David Ito who was naked in the quote-unquote love-up sessions with a similarly naked young David Ito. Okay. So... There's actually, you can actually rent the documentary. I forgot what it's called on YouTube for like $2, but it has his video of him with his weapons at his table, talking about everything that had happened, what his plans were, why he was doing it. And it's like, it's just, it's weird to watch. Like it gives you goosebumps because. I mean, can you blame him? Like I have a hard time blaming him. No, honestly. Yeah. He scheduled to go to dinner with Angela, and they met at his apartment, and he stabbed her to death. Okay, so he then drove to Blythe, California, where he called his wife, who he had separated from, and he explained to her why he stabbed her, and he said that the hardest thing for him had been that when she was dying, she didn't understand what she had done wrong, because she was brainwashed, I guess, and didn't realize that she had molested him incessantly as a child and didn't realize that was wrong. Yeah, she did. There's no way she couldn't have known it was wrong. It's just, I'm sorry. Like how many adult, how many people in a group do not know that that's wrong? You're telling me that you're all just the special uh, exceptions that don't understand that's wrong. No, I don't think so. (laughs) On that Wikipedia, I saw that she talked about cleaning the little boy's penis with her mouth like uh i don't think that's what you were doing no so sadly again enough uh ricky then took a semi-automatic and shot himself in the head and like shy just said he there's a video so he had filmed a video of himself preparing his weapons and whatnot that he sent to his friend and then after he shot himself his friend published it to youtube and on the video He says this. He says, there's this need I have. It's not a want. It's a need for revenge. It's a need for justice because I can't go on like this. He stared at the camera, calm and lucid. He says, well, mom's going to pay. She's going to pay dearly. You're a sick fucking pervert, and you don't have anything better to do with your life than to fuck up your little kids. Uh, I've tried so many things to try and somehow fit in, somehow to find, you know, a normal life. Everybody who I've talked to about this says, well, you know, everybody has their problems. But those people who say that don't have a clue as to what actually went on. I mean, because they weren't part of the cult. I mean, that is so freaking sad. That is just so freaking sad. Well, I mean, yeah, everybody has their problems, but this is a little different a little more intense yeah i would have to say if you're somebody that is being told about this stuff and that's your response you have handled that situation poorly poor as hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah like get a grip i hate when people have responses to like just absolute horrible stuff like that oh well we all go through stuff i don't think so yeah, dude no. i really don't you don't know what this is like unless you've done it or you've been through it yourself exactly. so to say that like that's really you know way to i wish that like i don't know if it would have helped if he had any sort of support system surely it would have helped but clearly he didn't really have anybody that could help him enough 
because and, and you know with a lot of hard hard work he could have had somewhat of a normal life if he had the right support but i don't know you know it's hard to say yeah i mean i'm not trying to in any way minimize any of this because it's absolutely horrible and so Sarah, the woman who wrote the story of David Ito, and you can go read on Wikipedia, she is still a senior member and leader in the cult. So tell me that these people have moved past this child abuse, and I will tell you you're wrong. That's what I don't get is, like, what's the point of even having the cult? I don't understand. I'm not saying, like, Uh, if you're going to have the cult, keep the abuse in, but it's, like, what is your gain? What are you guys trying to accomplish? I have to say that I highly doubt that all the abuse is, is oh, now. Oh, absolutely it's, it's not. A thing of the past. They're just probably a lot more um, private about this kind of right. stuff. They don't publish letters talking about putting little boys' penises in your mouth. So after Ricky stat- murdered the – I don't even want to – I honestly – part of me doesn't even want to call it murder. I mean, he did, but I almost just don't even want to call it that because I'm like, I don't – blame him in any way whatsoever um but after he committed suicide karen zerby released a statement to the members of the cult expressing condolences for the much-loved murdered woman angela and saying virtually nothing about her son aside from saying that he had been corrupted by outside Uh, forces wow yeah so you yeah you rape your son and you pass him around since essentially birth for the same thing then you write about it and publish the sort of details to the public, and then it's the outside world that drove him to insanity. Insanity? Insanity. Sure. Like, really. Well, what a great opportunity to blame people outside of the cult for her son's demise. Right. Yeah, anybody but her her shitty-ass self. So this story was blasted all over the U.S. media for once. So because this happened here, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a tragic, tragic ending to the life of – the cult's supposed leader of the Armageddon. I mean, obviously breaking free from a cult is only the first step in the recovery process because then comes the process of reversing the indoctrination. And the longer someone is a member, the harder it is for them to remember who they were before they were indoctrinated. So obviously if you're a child that was born into the cult, this means that you have to begin to figure out who you are in the context of living in the real world altogether because you have no frame of reference for what it was like before the cult, obviously. So your entire personality, behavior, condition, responses have all been created and formed by the cult itself. And now you have to come to grips with the fact that nearly everything you have ever known is a lie. Many excommunicators are able to make this transition with the help of a good support system, therapy, being able to talk about what they went through. But in the same vein, there are many who the psychological aftermath of life after the cult is just too overwhelming, too damaging, and is a silent killer. To this day, there have been 40 suicides of ex-Children of God members. Most of these were second generationers who were born into the cult. That is a lot of suicides right there. I guess it's... It's kind of like people who have spent majority of their life in prison. They don't know how to function outside of it, so right. they keep going so, back. Or yeah, well, it's and it's there's a there's a lot more to that too. Yeah, but yeah, these children had zero say in their fate whatsoever. You know, and until they broke free, and then they had to take a huge burden on and try to figure out who they are, what they believe, what the world is like. I mean, it's a that it is a lot of work well how do you uh 
function with people outside of the cult because you were always taught that they were evil. Yeah. Like, right. Do, I mean, it's you... like it's a serious psychological situation that you have to go through. Um, yeah. Like that, that Natasha girl, um, you know, she went through abusive relationship after abusive relationship because it's really all she'd known was abuse. And right. I mean, and she has since moved on and, you know, has really done wonders for herself. Uh, she's obviously a survivor of this terrible cult. Um, I was going to say, you know, I can even personally, and not in any way, shape, or form is it close, but as being raised in a Southern Baptist household, when I was in my early teens, I realized that I didn't believe it. I, I felt like there was so much hypocrisy. Uh, I, I just couldn't adhere to what I was taught, and it made me pretty angry, to be honest. But for years after that, I continued to have these like feelings of guilt, of worry that maybe one day I would find out I had been wrong and what would happen then just all this and that is not even remotely close to being a part of the children of God cult it's just you know totally I, I I personally cannot even begin to imagine what it would be like to break free from something like that right anyway so I it's like I can somewhat relate slightly but not in any way shape or form to that extent now we're just going to move on to present day. The cult is named the Family International. But they they go by the family a lot. So they've rebranded themselves to come across as a slick, shiny, evangelical Christian organization. Uh, Karen Zerby, the biggest piece of trash ever, is still the leader, but she has now changed her name to Karen Smith. And nobody knows her exact whereabouts, but she still writes blogs about faith. Okay. This is the same woman whose son was driven to insanity and murder suicide. So I'm really don't give a crap what you have to say about any. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's like get over yourself. You freaking idiot. So Claire Bowerwick is now the spokesperson for the cult who seems to not know much about any of its past or has quote unquote. Oh, uh, please. You do too. Yeah. Like they've asked her about former like there was that guy i talked about yes paul or charles peliquin or i think or paul peliquin yeah paul Paul. who was a terrible sexual abuser he was i think convicted even and she's like i don't know i don't know of this person i'm like oh really he was a huge huge leader in the cult she claims that the cult current day has four thousand children and four thousand adult members and over 700 communes in over 100 countries they um they still do this musical troupe, the family singers, and like I said, they've even sung at the White House on occasion, which cool. Yeah. Awesome. Doesn't surprise me again. Yeah. And so in doing our research, I was horrified to find in so many articles and videos where there are current members of the family singing David Berg's praises, Karen Zerby's praises, calling them true prophets of God, and yada, yada, yada. I oh, cannot believe it. Oh, the YouTube it. comments? Oh. Yes. He's a treasure. Yeah. We a have... true treasure. Ugh. You a people gift. can go fall off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Stay off the internet. Right. Like, I could not I, – I mean, honestly, I truly, truly did not think I would ever see that. No. In present day. There was one literally like two months ago left, two months ago. I thought, okay, these have to have been left 10 years ago. No, nope. two months ago. 
too. Oh my god. So what do you know? Apparently these people are unaware or they simply do not care about the countless failed prophecies and more importantly the heinous abuse suffered by so many in the cult history. It's difficult for me, like I said earlier, to navigate the emotions or feelings that I should have towards these people. Like, are they victims themselves? It's possible, but at this point, I feel like you should know enough about this to... Like like she's trying to say she doesn't know about any of the past stuff. How do you not know when we, we, just, we just found it all right. out on right. the internet? It's not hard. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's very Hello. easy to go on the internet and look and see that all <laughs> of this crap has happened. So again, this is a, a, a situation where there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on. And at this point, if you choose to overlook all of this stuff, you are no better than David Berg or Karen Zerby yourself. Yep. Okay. So in the end... We covered the story because we wanted to share the horrors that were dealt to the children, especially, but also the women and men who fell prey to the predatory practices initiated by David Berg and then perpetuated by Karen Zerby and the rest of the cult leadership. These people, to this day, continue to deny the horrors they perpetrated and blame the victims themselves, along with the system society, for the psychological, physical, and emotional damage that has been done in the name of the cult. It is sick. It is wrong, and we, for one, are here to call them out on the disgusting way they manipulated human beings to act in such a depraved and horrifying way, all in the name of God. We are here to say we do not approve, <laughs> to put no. it mildly. So that is where we are ending our coverage on Children of God, because any more, and we might have to start murdering i per, for one <laughs> might become a freaking uh vigilante and i'm gonna hunt these people down well that's what uh ricky rodriguez's whole thing was is he just wanted to be a vigilante for these and i mean i don't blame him no honestly. i don't at all no uh i know it's tricky territory when you start saying that you're gonna start killing people but and i'm not really you know if for, no, legal, yeah. for legal reasons i'm not really gonna go out and kill anybody but i sure would love to be a vigilante and go around freaking taking these people out because this is the kind of crap that i mean as you saw as you heard this is horrible 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 it's truly it's like i said it's i mean is it even real like how does this even happen and fly under the radar of authorities for so long well and, and i don't even think you can we can even say that it flew under the radar it was on the radar and it doesn't matter you know well, it okay. doesn't matter yeah because i guess they had such good pr and ways to skirt uh, around it connections maybe like that's the other thing i have to wonder is who benefited from letting this continue you know true yeah like who i mean you got to think about who benefited from letting bohemian grove continue the fat cats right. and higher ups but yeah. mm -hmm. but this is just a, a weird cult full of sex obsessed hippies like who who's winning yeah. besides these pervs well i wonder i wonder yeah i mean that's a good question it's a conspiratorial kind of question but there's got to be more to it because otherwise how would this go on for so long are we really just a world that <sighs> that just wants to allow child sex abuse to continue to be perpetuated against innocent children all over the world because it does seem that Seriously, way I, I have to say i know i just this world gets weirder and weirder each day yeah so can i end this is a a really expletive laden episode but i will end by saying fuck the family international david berg and karen zerby they all deserve to rot for eternity i 
truly believe. Y'all need milk. Milk. <laughs> you need some milk. Yeah. Oh, hell. Okay. Yeah. So that was a tr- truly kind of an emotional ringer of the topic. Ooh, um, yeah. I don't know like how much I can't, I haven't been able to really get the vibe for how interested um, everyone is in this topic, but you need to know. So, right. so, okay. Well, yep. I will say when I listened to the podcast mm-hmm. Colts on this, they weren't as, I don't want to say we were graphic, but they didn't go into the abuse as yeah. much. Like, yeah. you got the idea that kids were abused, but not to the extent, like, yeah, that they actually and were. Like, and, and, yeah, this is definitely a, to, you know, steal L- last podcast term, this is a gold star kind of episode where I definitely understand that there may be some people that this is a little too difficult to listen to. I totally yeah. get that. It's a not safe for work. Exactly. And I definitely, definitely want to reiterate that we are not trying to sensationalize any of this or exploit anybody. We are simply doing, we covered this and we went into such graphic detail because it really is the only way to fully understand the extent of the horrors that were perpetuated by this cult. So again, we're not trying to do anything. We are simply trying to make sure that you know what happened here right and the victims and survivors of this cult deserve for everybody to know what happened and that they they are believed by people because i 100 percent believe the survivors of this cult and i want to validate their experience and not invalidate them like the law seems to want to do so that is simply it okay i'll get off my soapbox now (laughs) you're fine but Yeah. Okay. So I think that, you know, what's sad is that when I first started this, when, when I, a couple weeks ago, I was like, shy, let's, let's, let's maybe do children of God. I did not really fully remember all the details or realize how emotionally draining it was going to be. So uh, I thought it might be kind of fun. Uh, I was wrong. I was real wrong, but now that might mean that I don't know what that means. I it was going to say maybe gotta, next episode we could have a brain bleacher, but I don't know what it might be. We got to have a fun one, like a Dulce facility. Well, uh, yeah, maybe. If But we, we had – well, okay. We had kind of thought that we might try to do a um, – like a – a crossover oh, that's right. okay. episode, which, uh, you know, yeah. we haven't, which we haven't discussed at this point yeah. with anyone but us. Uh, but yeah, we're, we kind of think it might be fun to, if it's even possible to have that many people on a podcast, I know. <laughs> do a crossover episode where we have another podcast come join us for the episode. Right. Which we have, we have a particular podcast in mind. <laughs> but we haven't talked to him yet, so I don't yeah. know if I want to like bust out on it right now. But yeah, so uh, if we can strategic, if we can get the strategery right, uh, I think that's a George Bush Jr. term. But if we can uh, figure Bush it out, <laughs> <laughs> if we can figure it out, it would be really fun to have another podcast come join us for an episode on something fun like the Dolce facility for sure. Yeah. Which, as some of you may not be aware, but it's a it's an underground underground facility, supposedly facility <laughs> in New full Mexico. Of yeah, alien and human hybrids. <laughs> uh, it may or may not be real, <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Anyway, we don't okay. Know. So this week, um, let me think here. I want to say a little shout to uh, 
Boobs and Booze podcast. There are a couple of fellow Texans, at least for me, fellow Texans. Also, the Murderific podcast gave us a nice little shout on Instagram. Uh, of course, our beloved Bumble Butts, <laughs> our brothers in podcasting, <laughs> and Fear and Fame, the cutest little gals. They oh. sure are sweet to us. And Yes. Of course, What's Blood got to do with it podcast is so supportive they're always on top of their social needs game giving us comments and shout outs and um they're they're really great and they'll make you laugh oh strange talk is really good strange talk our buddy over there yeah he gave us a shout out and so shout out to him his episodes are actually they're shorter and he knows they're shorter but he doesn't skimp on information and i like Sometimes it's nice just to have one person talking and getting straight to the point. Yeah. But so good job on that. I do enjoy your podcast. For sure. Also, the Woods podcast is another good one that there are a couple of gals from Canada. And I'm telling you right now, if you want like some soothing, I know it's like probably French Canadian or something accident, accident, accent, but (laughs) but to me, it almost sounds like there's like this tinge of Irish or something. And I, so I was listening to them the other night and I was just like, I could listen to this girl talk all day long. It was just so delight. It was like, what is it? ASMR for my for my eardrums. Oh, okay. Uh, oh god, I hate those pages with a passion. Well, some of them are nice. Like I like clicking sounds of certain things. Yeah. But those food pages. No. And and the whispering people Scr- could go straight it's to funny, heck. Because fear and fame, did get a, out of here. Fear and fame did a little uh, short episode know, where they I whispered at the beginning, and I was like, I gotta turn this off. <laughs> I can't listen. <laughs> I, I know. can't listen to this. I gotta fast forward. Uh, but no, eating. <sighs> I like. I would. I would almost stab my husband to death sometimes when he's eating beside me. So it's like, and I love him more than anything. So it's like, yeah, I don't want to listen to some stranger eating. Oh, I will God. avoid it to save my life. Uh, so anyway. Right. Okay. So that's – I probably left out somebody, uh, but it's okay. And we'll get them We'll get, them we'll on get creeping you. up. And – oh, okay. So Speaking of. let's take a moment to say we would both love to hear from you about anything. If you enjoyed us, if you have any questions, if you want us to talk about anything, whatever – Give us a shout at our email. It's creepitrealpod at gmail.com. I never say that anymore. Our Instagram is at is creepitrealpod. We got the Facebook group, Creep It Real Podcast Hangout. Right. There's the Creep It Real uh, Facebook. And now we have our Patreon, which is, again, patreon.com slash creepitrealpod. If you join us over there at any donation level. You are you are getting access to our creeping up episodes. And like this past weekend, we put out an episode. It's not a creeping up. It was just like an extra little treat. Blurb. Yeah, a little blurb for you. A little blurb. <laughs> and, you know, we talked about a couple funny kind of things. And, you know, you don't want to miss out on us talking about poop or, you know, alternatives for molesting horses. And... Right. It's, you know, just kind of some laid back, more laid back talk. So head on over to our Patreon. Give us a little bit of support. We're just trying to make our podcast as great as it can be. And with your support, we're going to do it. And don't forget, we have merchandise now. Shirts, hoodies, 
uh, mugs, pins. totes, buttons, pins. So get yourself decked out. Yeah. Tis the season, I guess, right. for giving. Yes, it is. We have had so many orders already. It is so exciting. I truly, I did not expect to have <laughs> as many as we have. And um, it's thrilling. Send pics. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. So if you, I know that this morning already um, somebody's order was shipped first thing. And so the, when you receive your stuff and you either wear it or whatever, Take a picture, send it to us, and we will feature you all over the place because you're mm-hmm. going to be our very first representers. So do it. We would love you. It would. It's great. We're oh, so excited. I just had a sick idea. What? Somewhere. I was, I'm thinking maybe in our 1,000 follower giveaway. Oh. We're just growing like crazy. Um, we're about to very, very soon, within probably the next few days, we're going to hit 60,000 downloads and – it's just, just been a whirlwind of excitement for me and shy. Right. It's just crazy. Yeah, it is. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thank you for bearing th- with us through this traumatic topic that we've discussed. If you made it through the whole thing, hats off right. to you. If you uh, made it through us crying for a good portion of this episode, <laughs> and also hats off to you. I, Sorry. If, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm somebody that is like kind of uh, – I have that – cry shame where I don't really like to cry in front of anybody but look I look at how much I love you guys I cried in front of you yep. today so anyway <laughs> okay so okay well I think we're we're gonna just be it done for now oh by the way everybody I am so freaking sorry that I have not put together the giveaway for the stories <laughs> I told Ugh. you that I was going to do it's now a month later and I have not done it but I promise you to all of our listeners who who sent us stories for the listeners stories episode I am now this week going to publish those on our what Facebook and then I will freaking start a a a little tally about who who what two listeners are going to get a little price okay okay so with that We leave you to the rest of your day, and hopefully it's a great one. Yes. Hopefully it turns right the heck around after this episode. Okay. We love you. Creep it real. Bye. Bye.